0: Welcome to American Narratives. I'm Mary Ann
1: And I'm Joe Fraajan.
0: And today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Adriana Ocampo. Adriana is currently the Senior Manager of Global Technical Operations Strategy and Integration and responsible for leading a highly effective team that shapes the BGS strategy for GTO. In 2018, Adriana was the first Hispanic to be inducted into the University of Missouri Industrial Manufacturing Systems Engineering Hall of Fame, honoring her outstanding contributions in the field and her community affairs leadership. In addition to that, she also serves on numerous boards, like the National Board of Directors of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers and the Dallas-Fort Worth Hispanic 100 Latina Leaders Organization, among many others. Adriana, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's great having you. Thank you so much. By the way, she works for Boeing. Just yeah. Want to make sure that we got the company in there, too. I don't, Boeing's kind of a little company you might not have heard of.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, been, I've been with them for, uh, for 25 years, actually, since I graduated from college.
1: Wow. That's, that's a, you don't hear that very often anymore. People, that kind of tenure, that's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. I tell you, when, uh, when I get to talk to people about my career, I always tell them that uh, working for a big company like Boeing is pretty interesting because I've been able to do so many things in the 25 years that I've been with them. And I think one of the benefits is that you get to do so many different things without having to actually leave the company. So I've been able to start new careers maybe every three, four years without, you know, leaving that, uh, leaving the company and and without, you know, leaving that seniority. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, it really is. Well, let's, let's dive in and get to know you a little better. I I mean, we had the benefit of some preamble even before our podcast here, and I want the audience to get to know you delightful interesting eclectic background but let's start with your personal story where did you come from your family
2: before we do that i I, first i want to say thank you for the opportunity and and when marianne reached out to me you know i thought it was it was really interesting and so before we dive into into my personal journey i just want to say thank you to both of you for allowing me the opportunity to to uh to come to you and then to share my personal story with with the audience
1: well the pleasure's ours honestly thank you so much and and uh it's been delightful and you know, and just sharing your story means a lot—not only to us, but to our listeners. So, thank you for spending the time. We appreciate that. So now, you, your favorite topic. You, let's yeah. let's hear. <laughs> what? Where do you? you know, kind of, where do you come from? Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of Cliff Notes version of. Uh, your formative years.
2: Yeah, so um, I actually grew up in in Colombia, South America. So I'm uh, the third um, child. I'm actually the middle child. Uh, my dad is is an engineer. Uh, my mom uh, is very proudly to say she is the first uh, female mari- marine and uh, zoologist female in Colombia. And so, uh, after I tell a little bit of my story, you know, uh, people call me sometimes the trailblazer, and I always say that real the trailblazer in my family is my mother, um, mm-hmm. and my role model. As, as I tell you a little bit more about myself, uh, moving forward, you know, I always say that my mom uh, is, is that role model, uh, the, feel, uh, the first female role model in in my life. And so, come from uh, you know educated parents, uh, father engineer, mother. Uh, a female uh, marine zoologist. Uh, so I'm. Um, I was really the only female uh, in, in my family when I was growing up, because my father has a brother, and then my uncle has uh, two sons. And so from my father's side of the family, you know, I was, I was the only, the only girl. And and I'm gonna tell you why that kind of like shaped me, uh, moving forward too, because you know on weekends uh, we usually went to. My father's side of the family, on, uh, to to my my grandparents, and and we tended to gravitate around, uh, you know, my, my parental uh, grandparents, and uh, and so there was all these boys always, right? My my uh, my male uh, cousins and my brothers, and uh, and so I always had to like play with them, right? <clears throat> now I I went to an all girls uh, school when I was growing up, from the time that I was in kindergarten until. I graduated from high school, so I created also this bond with the girls that I that I went to school with. So I had I had that that friendship, and I had you know all these girls growing up. But then when I went back home, it was just boys around uh, myself in my family. Um, and so when when I graduated from from uh, from high school, you know, and I decided to go into the into engineering, you know, it wasn't. Uh, that much of a change to me being around men because growing up I was always around men so uh, we can talk about this uh, a little bit moving forward but yeah so so that was kind of like the environment uh, but, but something else too is that my mom in a way treated us the same way at home meaning that all of us have different shores around the house and so it wasn't just because I was female I had to do different things and the males have to do something different right we all were treated kind of like in a similar way where we all had to contribute and then have chores around the house. So um, so, so, that was uh, very family oriented, right? Education, I think it was in the center of our responsibility. Um, and so we, we knew that we had to study. We knew that the expectation was that we needed to go to college after we graduated from high school. So the question wasn't whether we were gonna go to college. I think the question was what we were gonna go to college for uh, when I graduated from from high school, um, I had the opportunity to do uh, a year abroad. And so my father was involved with the Rotary Club. They still are. And so the Rotary Club has this uh, exchange student program. And so I got selected to actually um go to Canada as an exchange student, and so we were just, uh, I'm smiling here, uh, people in the audience cannot see me smiling, but uh, we were just talking about this topic right before we started the broadcast, because um, I got selected to go to Canada to a very small town in British Columbia called Dawson Creek, and so I grew up in the third largest city of Columbia called Cali, you know, population about 3 million. And then I went to this small town in Canada, Dawson Creek. I think at the time, population was probably 5,000. Something interesting about uh, Dawson Creek is in the very north part of British Columbia. And the mile zero post that goes into Alaska is in downtown Dawson Creek. So imagine, you know, uh, I grew up in in a valley, very nice, warm weather uh, in the tropical side of Colombia, and so I moved to Dawson Creek. Um, first time I saw snow was when I moved to Canada, but uh, I had an amazing experience. I still keep in touch with the family that I live with. Uh, they actually came to Colombia for the first time after um, you know I completed my year abroad, and I think they had a. We still have uh laughs about the experiences that they had when they came to colombia so anyhow a beautiful experience and so um you know after that year i actually wanted to stay in canada and and uh and I started university in in canada i knew by then that i wanted to go to school and be an engineer um, so when i was in high school we actually had different universities that came to to talk to us about the different careers that they offer, and we also did different field trips. <clears throat> At the time, uh, my dad was the project manager uh, for the company that he was working for, and they did food processing, and so we had an opportunity to actually visit um, the company, and they did um, they took us into into the production floor. So I remember being fascinated about seeing this whole processing, right, and the the process of this food uh, being transformed, and so that caught my attention. And when the university came um, and they presented the different um, types of engineering that they offer, I remember listening about industrial engineering versus the other mechanical, civil, electrical, and i thought well maybe industrial is probably the one that better fit you know what what i'm looking for it was it's a combination of all the others and i and and so i knew then that industrial engineering was from all the different fields the one that i was more attracted to and the one that better aligned to what i wanted to do and so anyway so um so then when i talked to my parents about staying in canada they said no lady you're coming back to colombia and they had already um, signed me up and registered me to, uh, to go to one of the local universities. Um, and at the time, my dad had been transferred to, he has been transferred for work to another city, to the northern part of Colombia, to Barranquilla. And so uh, this university had a really strong, a very good um, IE program. And um, in Colombia, similar to the U.S., you know, once you graduate from high school, uh, we had something similar to the SAT. Um, and depending on <clears throat> the score that you get in your SAT, if is if the score is high enough, then you don't have to take the test to to get into the university. And mine was uh, very high, high enough, then where I didn't have to take the test to get into this university. And so so that's how I ended up uh, starting into. That's a great story. <clears throat> very very
1: efficient. A couple of things that that I think I garner from that one yeah. is those formative years with all men, right? Yeah. And, and what you've had as a career where it's been very relatively male-dominated. And what you know your, your own insight would be, that didn't feel so foreign to you yeah. because of kind of those formative years being around men so much. Two, going and having a, a radically different kind of cultural experience at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that mean to you? I mean, how did that open your eyes up? Do you, I mean, it, did, did you see the world of possibilities? Did it really help you kind of shape... Yeah. And think differently, you think? Or what did that do for you
2: at that You know, I, I think so, too, because um, it opens your eyes to understand other cultures, right? Um, also, the family that I was living with at the time, um, they were older than my parents, right? Their children uh, were older, too. They had already moved out of the house. Um, so not only is that different culture, um, they were different in age, Right. Um, and so I think you learn to to be understanding. To um, you have to be respectful, right, of other cultures and and to live in other people's family and house. I mean, they're welcoming to your house. Uh, I was a total stranger to them, and and yet they opened their home to give me the possibility to learn about a different culture, about a different language. And so I had to be very respectful of that, right, and. It was very interesting and I learned that about that later because the majority of the people that were part of this club were also older people and so I also learned to actually integrate and enjoy being around older people even older than my parents and they took me under their wing and they actually took me around so many different cities in Canada. So I had such a great experience and I learned so much from them. And so later in my career when, you know, when I moved to the U.S. and when I graduated from college and I started working for McDonnell Douglas, I was the youngest on my team. Not only was I the only female, but I was the youngest on my team. And, and you know, I did realize that when I was 22, 23 years old, but now looking back, I realized then that it wasn't probably as shocking to me, and, and the experience trying to be part of the team wasn't as shocking to me. Probably because God gave me these opportunities when I was growing up to be in those kind of circumstances, you know, to leave and to be part for a whole year to live with people that were a lot older, and I feel very comfortable actually being around them when I was younger than to be around men, right? And was I a little bullied by them? Yes, but then, you know, that that helps you maybe, you know, like like get this, what I call the scar tissue, right? And so that gives you personality. And so now looking back, I, I actually am thankful uh, because I didn't know what God had in store for me, and I think he was just preparing me for, for what was next. And so I, I see all of that as 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 gain, right? And and it was shaping me for for what was coming up in, in the later years. Thank
1: you. I, and then you, you integrated into U.S. kind of not only U.S. society, but, but corporate America, hmm. right? How did that go? I, it sounds like you're a young kind of represented a little bit of a different profile in, in the initial teams and groups at McDonnell Douglas and I assume at Boeing too. Mm-hmm. What, well, you know, how did that go and how prepared were you for that? And What'd you learn?
2: Um, so uh, it, w- it wasn't as, as probably as easy as I make it sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, and I'm going to be honest, um, so, Aerospace is not really the the industry that I that I dream to be in, and and I tell you this because uh, I I actually met people when I started working for McDonnell Douglas whose dream was always to actually be in that kind of industry, and I just remember this because uh, the year that I that I um, that I joined McDonnell Douglas was the same year that uh, we merged with Boeing. Um, And I do remember people actually uh, taking early retirement, for instance, that they felt so strong and passionate about working for a company like McDonnell Douglas that they didn't want to work for another company even though it was in the same industry, right? I didn't feel that loyalty or or that passionate about for either one of the two at the time, right? Uh, Because that wasn't really my dream. I mean, originally when... When I moved to the U.S. to to go to college, it was it was as a result of this program that my university in Colombia had, and and yes, I did want to come to the U.S. to to get my degree. That was my dream, um, but I thought then originally that I was going to go back to Colombia after graduation from college, right? And so then when I had the opportunity, when 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 the offer was made, and I had the chance to stay, and I took on that opportunity, um, you know, I knew there was going to be a challenge, and I was and I was up for the challenge, right? Um, and I remember actually, day it was I think it was day one or two. My parents at the time uh, were living in Sri Lanka. <clears throat> My father was working in Sri Lanka as an expat, and I remember going to the shop floor. And one of the mechanics who had been with the company, so to remember now I'm working as an as a as an industrial engineer on the shop floor in the aerospace industry on the defense side of the house in a union environment, right, in Missouri in nineteen ninety seven, right? So I was a minority not because I'm Hispanic. We were not even talking about diversity in those terms. It's because I'm a female engineer on the shop floor. So, right, I'm not a design engineer working in an office. I'm talking operations, manufacturing, with the mechanics on the floor, right? <clears throat> so one of these mechanics told me to go back to where I came from, and by that he didn't mean Colombia. He meant the office, right? like. You know nothing about airplanes, sweetheart, right? You just graduate. I mean, they used to call me honey, sweetheart, uh, sunshine, all of this, right? So I remember calling my dad on the phone, and I started crying. And I told my father that I didn't think I was going to be able to make it, and this was day two. And and my dad told me that one, I was getting paid. I was getting paid to learn. And two, he said, you need to go back and you need to tell them that you're actually there to help them. And it's true that you know nothing, so he's absolutely right, right? So be humble and just go back and tell them that you're there to learn and you're there to help them. And that's what I did. And, and I really created a very strong relationship with those mechanics, right? So. It's, it's really having the right um, attitude, I think, right, and, um, and understanding that you're part of that team and that, that respect, uh, you have to gain that respect, right, and, and that I was actually there to learn. Cause I knew nothing out of co- right out of college, right?
1: <clears throat> what a great story Wonderful. of adaptation and resilience. You know, it's it's funny. I really in my career, I worked at Ford Motor Company with the UAW, mm-hmm. and uh, same stuff. Yeah. You know, they're gonna test you. They're gonna push you. Yeah. They're gonna and and do you come back or not? And you went back. Mm-hmm. You got coaching and mentored from your father, and and you know, ultimately, sounds like you had a really transformational kind of experience. And you're still mm-hmm. there.
2: Yeah. Twenty-five years later, 20 almost years. twenty-six.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, give us a Cliff Notes version of kind of what have been, what have been your jobs in the last twenty-five years? You know, and what are you doing now? Give us kind of your career progression, some yeah. of the career decisions, career decisions you made along the way.
2: Yeah, I tell you, I think um, one one of the key uh, successes that I have had uh, is the fact that I had I had mentors, and and is a key. I think a part of my career, not just one, but many, many mentors, uh, one of which uh, was actually a female uh, that I met um, when when I started doing my master's, and she was one of the very first female and minority um, um, women that came to work for, for McDonnell Douglas at the time. And it just happened, you know, um, that she was also then on the same program that I was. And so we actually met outside of Boeing in the classroom as we were both doing our masters. And she kind of like, you know, took me under her wing. And very early in in my career, I was identified. uh, So at Boeing, we called, you know, we we called uh, high potentials. And so I was a high boat and, and I remember that she had me identify someone that I considered uh, a leader that I thought highly of, and and so we start identifying, you know, values and and traits of this individual, and we also um, look at his career path, and so we identify that uh, in order for him to get to the point where he was in his career at the time, <clears throat> at one point he actually had left the company and came back, but not only that, but he had transition uh, to work into different functions and different sites. And so what that told me at the time then was that, you know, in order for you to progress into, into your career in a big company like Boeing, you know, you have to have uh, knowledge and exposure into um, the different aspects of the, of, of the company, right? And so you can either progress staying maybe one particular function uh, but you need to have visibility into our, our different sites and then our different businesses. And so I realized that I needed to be mobile, then I needed to get experience in our different uh, functions. And, and so that's what my career has been like, right? So um, so then that's why I, I went into getting my, my MBA. So I had my technical um, Background in engineering, so then I moved to get my, my MBA. Uh, but also, every time that I change jobs, then you see that I get my certification or I went back to school to get particular education into into that function, whether it was uh, supply chain or corporate audit or, or something else. And so, about every three or four years, uh, for me, it's been about every four years, uh, I'll make that change. And so i have moved seven times now right and so uh like i said i started in engineering um and when i was in in industrial engineering uh in the late 90s we we actually look into the automobile industry and look how they were transforming their production system using all these uh, lean manufacturing tools uh to expedite right how um, how they were actually building their vehicles. And so we learned from them, um, and we wanted to start applying those principles into aerospace. And we, the industrial engineers, we looked at uh, the IEs as, as the organization that could actually help us well learn those tools and start applying them. And so I was part of, of the group of engineers then that were trained to learn those tools and then to go around the different sites to start applying those and so i was i was very fortunate then because then i i got to go to seattle to mesa i had my first international opportunity in the czech republic we had a joint venture with a company there and so we started doing those lean transformation across the different sites and so um after accepting you know those different roles and 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 moving around when i went back to st louis uh, i started my my career in in missouri in st louis after you know, moving around and then going back to St. Louis. Uh, then I had an opportunity to apply for my first uh, managerial managerial job, and so I became a manager at the age of 28. Wow! Yeah, and that's Amazing. a people leader then at that <laughs> yeah. point.
1: Uh, yeah. After having a, a myriad of kind of experiences, and if I'm doing the math right, six years in basically. Yeah. Okay. And back to St. Louis, which was the headquarters of McDonnell Douglas. Yes. And uh, now obviously has a strong presence for Boeing, et cetera. Mm. And, and how, how, how was that? I mean, you know, 28 years old, mature environment. Did you have people older than you reporting to you? Or how did you, how well did you, and what did you learn as far as kind of moving into people leadership?
2: Yeah. So um, there is the good, the bad, and, and the learnings. Um, there was actually a gentleman that, that left my group he, because he didn't want to be reporting To a female that was younger than him, and so you have those, right? And and it was his decision. Um, When you know, I've told I've told this story before too. Um, So when I when I applied for that position and um, and I knew that I that I was gonna get the position when the announcement was made, I remember uh, going back to the hiring manager because still at that point, I was still hesitant. Uh, I didn't believe whether I was like the right person for the position, even though I had I had been selected for the position, right? Um, and so I asked why was I the person selected for the position if, and, and my, the words out of my mouth were, if I'm the, per- if I'm the l- less experienced person for this position. <clears throat> and I remember the hiring manager telling me Just because you are the the person that has been with the company the less amount of time doesn't make you the less experienced. And so what I tell my mentees today is that we need to be very careful uh, on the choices of words that we select when we're describing things, right? Um, Because the manager was right, right? She said, you know, when you were interviewing, right, you were talking about this different experience multi-site, international, you've done this and that. And so, again, just because I was with the company six years, five years, right, uh, maybe the, the, the breadth of experience that I had uh, was probably um, um, probably more more complete or broadened than someone that had been with the company for 10 or 12 years. Right? Um, and so, when I talked to my mentor, she also said, you know, sometimes Um, people seeing us um, these skills and this capability that we don't see in ourselves and so we just need to um, you know you have you probably have the courage because you applied for the job right but we just have to believe in ourselves right and 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 then just go for it, and then go for those opportunities. So I'm glad that I did, because I I was I was reluctant in the beginning when the opportunity when the opportunity presented, and so <clears throat> something else I, I've shared before too, and I want to do it here, especially for, for the females that are listening, right? And and is that many times you know we, we believe that we need to, check every single box in that in the description of the job, um and our male counterparts, you know, they they're fearless. They go, hey, I, I think I can do this, you know, and, and and the ones that I don't that I don't check, I can learn quickly, right? Um, and so they go and they go and they go for they go for these positions and, and, and many times we don't. Um, and and so my boss at the time he knew that I had gotten the job and he was giving me my performance evaluation um, to close the year because I was going to start that new job in January and he shared with me that one of my colleagues had made the following comment that he said "Um, I guess you have to be a young chick in this organization to receive the opportunities and he said I'm sharing this with you not to put anyone under the bus but just because you're gonna go into management, and so you're gonna have to be facing this kind of situations moving forward. And so the response that he gave to the particular employee was, um, so let me just share with you what the young chick um, did the last year, right? So this has been the results of the particular projects that she was worked on. <clears throat> what have you done for me lately, right? So basically, the, I think the reflection there was that you have to let the emotion, just put the emotion on the side and then the, the facts and the data and the results are always going to speak for themselves, right? And so just don't let any of those comments bother you, but then just do your job and do the best that you can and the results are just going to speak for themselves.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Adriana. As a female, I can I, I can fully support that. You know, you didn't say the the following words, but you alluded to. As a female, it seems like you had a bit of that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. for a bit, right? Yeah. And so, for our, our young Hispanic, not his, not only Hispanic, but female listeners mm-hmm. in in the engin- engineering industry, what else could you share to them with them? To help them overcome that imposter syndrome,
2: I would say not only engineering, right, mm-hmm. but uh, but I would True. say probably in in, in any other, um, in in any other field, because uh, my mother has always told me this, and not only my mom but my mentors, right, um, and is that we, you know, one of my mentors always told me about the three C's, right? So she said um, it's a courage, right? So first is courage, and they always said, you know you have the courage because otherwise you would have just come to this country by yourself right Uh, you wouldn't apply for the job in the first place right Uh, you wouldn't be the first one in your family like many of my mentees right to to do this to to be the first one not in my case but many others graduate from high school to go to college to apply for this job so so it's the courage then the capability right you're capable of doing this otherwise you wouldn't had the job that you had, um, but then, it, it, but then the third part is the one that you, the one that we were talking about, and it's the one where you have to really trust yourself, right? That you are capable of doing it, and and many times, you know, we become the worst enemies of ourselves because is that fear that we cannot do it, that the one that stop us, and is in ourselves, so. That's why I think it's great to have these network systems like we have within Hispanic 100, or having those mentors. And it's not just the female mentors. I remember, Marianne, you and I actually talking to uh, this young lady at one of our Hispanic 100 events, and I was telling her about the importance to have our male allies as well, and having our male counterparts supporting us too. Because it's not just, you know, Latina supporting Latinas. It's all of us working together, right? Because I always want to have also my male counterparts telling me their side uh, and their viewpoints, right? I don't want to have groupthink. I want to hear when, when we talk about diversity, it's real diversity. It's not just me getting the viewpoint from another female Hispanic, mm-hmm. Right, so it's really diversity, all of it, and and it's, it's hearing someone else telling you, hey, you can do this, right? And so it's it's, 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 it's us believing in ourselves and 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 really having then you know um, getting that extra push to to go for a, for that extra mile and to. Uh, to go for those yes, tough yes. opportunities because we have it, we yes. have it in us, right? <clears throat> we sure
0: do, you know. And, and as I think through your career progression, right, twenty-five years at Boeing, almost twenty-six, you've been so successful within the company, but also in the community, right? And so let's talk about a little bit about that, right? What have hmm. been some of your, if any, challenges, just overall as well, or anything that you, you've learned that you would want to share?
2: Yeah. Um, and it was actually one of my mentors, I'll tell you. So when I graduated from, uh, from my master's, right, um, I wanted to, so Boeing pays for our, uh, for our education, for our continuous education. So I took, um, I leveraged that, I took advantage of that. Uh, and after I got my, my MBA, um, I actually started to, um, to study for my Ph.D., And I remember my mentor at the time um, was the one who told me um, that I needed to stop focusing a lot on myself and it was actually time for me to start giving back to the community. Um, And so it was around actually 2005 uh, that we started talking about diversity in corporate America at least and, and, and at the Boeing company too. And so we start talking about uh, diversity, and we created uh, the Diversity Council back in, in St. Louis. Um, so the headquarters for our um, defense uh, business unit was in St. Louis at the time. Uh, we started uh, creating our uh, business resource groups, affinity groups. Uh, the first one was actually Boy and Women in Leadership. Uh, we didn't have a lot of women in, in leadership positions, so I was one of the founding members of our chapter in St. Louis and then we move on with the Boeing Hispanic Employees Network and I was one of the founders of that one too. Um, And then uh, this girl uh, that I knew in St. Louis uh, was the one who approached me about creating the local chapter for the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. And I knew nothing about that organization at the time. Uh, She knew about it I think when she was in college. and so, so we created the chapter. I knew people in town, I knew other engineers. She was new to St. Louis as a professional. And then uh, in 2006, um, I was actually invited by one of the board members, the, the board came to St. Louis and I was in, um, one of the board members approached me and said, you know, we're gonna have elections pretty soon and I think it would be powerful to have someone from Boeing on the board. Boeing has been always a supporter of SHEP, but uh, not at the level of having someone on the board. And I said, you know, I'm new to this. I'm new to this organization. I don't know if I'm, like, ready to be on the board. And she's like, I think you're ready. And so I remember running for board, and I got selected to be on the board. And, you know, 17 years later, I'm on and off, I've been uh, a leader in that organization since then, and what I've learned is that you know you don't. It's not about you anymore. You know it's, uh, you. It's like that selfishness. You know, just goes away, and and, and it's it's really about. Um, it's leveraging, you know, the power of a company like Boeing, who's been. Uh, to me, I'm so grateful, and and I think that the name is powerful. But it, so it's taking that and and leveraging that. Um, but then using that then for others, right, and and helping really the community, and he's opening the doors for those that come behind you, um, and then using Boeing is using Shep is using Hispanic One Hundred is he, using High Tech High Heels, and and he's helping that generation, and not not just the next generation, but but is those in our community that are not as privileged probably as we are right and and that um, are looking at us as as a role model um, and helping them and and that level of satisfaction that we get when when we know that we're helping and touching their lives I think it's is 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 a satisfaction that I get out of it I would agree with that
1: you know I very very inspiring story I love it and it's real you know yeah. and I, I appreciate your candor and your honesty and it's it's excellent. A couple of things that I, I garner from it. Um, one is is like kind of you're gonna we're gonna have these seminal points where we can lean in or lean away, right? Mm. And when you've never regretted leaning in, it sounds like mm. whether it be the board, whether it be taking on people leadership, whether it be international assignments, learning about lean, etc. And that's probably made a huge difference when you've mm. leaned in versus leaned out. The other one is it's funny we've yeah you know, we do a lot of work with careers and people in career transition as a firm. And I always find there's three phases of a career, right? The first one is I just need a job out of college. I need to be able to make money and you know pay the rent and mm-hmm. you know put food in the, the fridge. Then there's this kind of second phase. Well, I want to enjoy what I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the third phase mm-hmm. is I want to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. I want to have an impact. And you put some really cool words to each one of those phases. And the last one is you know, now it's about others, not you. Mm-hmm. It's about community, kind of another C.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I, I think that's metaphysical. I think that's that's kind of what happens in careers. At one point, point you and it's totally okay if you're not there yet.
2: Right? Mm-hmm.
1: I was, trust me. When I finished college, I just needed to get a job. I thought as long as yeah 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 right. <laughs> I, I, I had debt to pay. You know, it, it's what it is. But at one point, you you do want to you do want to have an uh, leave a legacy and live an impact and leave a footprint that's positive. And it sounds like you're well into that. So kudos yeah. and
2: thank you. For thank that. you. That's terrific.
1: Uh, we've learned a lot. I, I, you know, Before we summarize, you know, help us summarize it. I mean, you know our audience out there. These are people that were you 20 years ago, right? What would you tell you if you could t- talk to yourself and coach yourself 20 years ago? What would you say? Because that's our audience. Yeah. What would you tell them?
2: You know, I know it sounds cheesy and we have heard this before, but it's like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm so, I'm going to tell you, I'm very competitive. And... And I think this is because the way that I grew up, right? Um, uh, <laughs> there is a joke in my family because one of my, one of my really good friends, one of my sisters from, uh, from high school, um, made this comment to me one time. And she said, between the principal in my school and my mother, they said, you know, they, they screw your life up, right? <laughs> uh, and so my mother still tells me that today, and we, we, we laugh about this. Uh, so the, the school that I went to, uh, the, the, my girlfriends and I, right? I, I told you it was this all-girl um, high well, school, at 12 years in it. Um, we were recognized for excellence. So that was one of the recognitions. It was excellence. Um, and it was our achievements, and it was excellence. So since you're four years old and five years old, right, the recognition is about excellence, right? Uh, and so so that's the chip that you have in your mind right that you have to be excellent nothing but excellence right and then you have these role models at home and so you're always going for like nothing but excellence and nothing but excellence and so it's like dude that i mean the, the bar is high right and, and then I have you know, my older brother, and, and, and we laugh about this now because um, he goes, hey, I was preparing you for this, right? So, but the dude's smart, right? And his IQ is high, and so he always did very well in sports, tall guy, I'm 5'3", right? Super smart, first one in his class without really having to do a lot of studying when he came back home, I learned differently. I, I, I'm the one who has to take notes, I have to come back, I have to read my notes again, study, right? Um, and so he used to make fun of me because of that, right? Because for him it was just one, one and done. And so also what I tell you know, my mentees and, and kids when I go on and speak to them is, you know, we all learn differently and it's okay and be careful also you know how we communicate with others because the words are very powerful so when we think that we're being just funny you know the impact that those words have in others are powerful especially when when we think highly of those like in this case my older brother right and so he thought, he thought that he was just being funny but to me those words were serious right and so if they keep telling you, you know, excellence, 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 well, I'm going for excellence. And if someone is telling you, oh, dummy, 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 then, you know, that's what, that's, you start believing that, right? And so anyway, I know I, I, like, I know I'm not, right? But, but seriously, I mean, we just have to teach our kids too that we just have to start giving ourselves words of empowerment, but not, you know, just be careful of, of the powers of those words that you're telling others. Anyhow. So uh, so I, I'm very competitive, right? And so there was a point in my, in my career too, right? So at the beginning it's like, well, I need a job, but I was very blessed that, you know, I got a really good job entering my career. And so it wasn't just any job, it was also a really cool job, right? With, with the biggest, largest aerospace company in the world, working with the coolest technology, right? And so so it's like, well, you know, whatever it is, you just have to overcome that challenge, and then you go, and then you go. So it is true that there was a point in my career where my focus was just me, right? And and it's like my career, my education, my growth. So I'm glad that someone at, at some point said, you know what, it's not about you anymore, dude. It's like, you have to give back. And so I'm so glad that, you know, that there's people that just kept me really grounded. And, and so looking back, I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you that, that I had those folks that kept me grounded.
0: Yeah, uh, Adriana, thank you. Thank you so much because it's a, everything you're saying, it's really a reminder of having a level of self-awareness that our thoughts, our self-expectations really do create the reality mm-hmm. in our world.
1: You know, and, and anything's possible.
2: Yeah, right. that too.
1: And, 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 through and hard work and really, dedication. And, you know, and courage. It courage. And courage and, and, and grind it out and, and don't let these things derail you. Yeah. Right? That that will inevitably happen. Trust me, I understand a union environment in Missouri in the 90s, <laughs> that could have derailed a lot of people. Yeah. Right? And instead you, you excelled because you ground through and you were humble. And and so if you're out there listening to this and you've got some challenges, somewhere maybe you feel misunderstood. Uh, where you're feeling like you're one of only one of whatever that is. You're not the only one. You can still be very, very successful, uh, and it will be okay, just like you said. It truly will be okay. And
2: reach out, right? There's people that want to help always, right? You don't, you're you're not alone, right? Even those that feel I'm the, the only, the only. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not the only. You You may feel that you are the only, but reach out because there's always people out there that do want to help you
1: right the vast majority even if they're not like you yeah. will want you to be successful once yeah. they get to know you that's just yeah. human nature and uh and so thank well thank you this has been excellent thank you so much what a great interview and I know that I've learned a lot and had a lot of things reinforced and I know our listeners will too so thank you so much
0: absolutely thank you Elena, for your time yeah thank you again for
2: the opportunity all
1: right